I just made it clear in the locker room. Would love to have everybody back coaching this group again. We can lace it all up. Everybody can come back. Got a couple additions to the roster. You know, I remain optimistic. Guys can work on their basketball game, but we can come back as a brotherhood and hopefully play in front of fans. I have no questions in my mind, contrary to a lot of the noise, that this is a program that is on the rise. We've got uh, a number of young players that are playing games. We got guys that want to get in the weight room. Got a lot of high character people. So I have no reason to to believe otherwise. DJ and PK brought to you by The Store. The Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The Store has two locations in Holiday at 6200 South and 2050 East and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's The Store. There's Larry Kustowiak. That's what you referenced a couple segments ago, PK. His post-game comments after the double overtime loss to USC in the Pac-12 tournament quarterfinals. Question of the morning up on Facebook, up on Twitter. The Utes win a Pac-12 tournament game for the first time since 2016. They take number two seed USC to double OT. Is that enough to bring Larry Kristoviak back? Tyson says, absolutely, he's earned it. Great coach. Hmm. Larry's Utes have stalled, Jim tweets at us, but he gets at least one more chance because of his buyout, unless some deep-pocket boosters have had enough. Huge buyout and pandemic revenue year doesn't make sense. Yeah, that sounds good, but I, I disagree with that philosophy because, as I've been saying, you can set your program back even more so it can cost you even more money, potentially. I mean, you, I'm not saying completely discard the finances, and, and it would be irresponsible to say that. But I don't know that just – I'm not bringing him back strictly because of finances. I've got to believe that what he just said right there, which was a very positive spin, we would all agree, that I – and I'm speaking for Mark, which I'm, I'm going to put myself in his shoes – I have to believe, if I'm Mark, what Larry just said, I have to believe what he said is true. If I believe what he said is true, then I bring him back. Even if you're, La- even if you're Mark Harlan and you think you see a, a, another young coach or coaches on the rise who you can go get? I mean, we always talk about these Power 5 teams with deep pockets that can go in and outspend people. Well, the Utes are a Power 5 team with deep pockets that can go in and outspend people. Not everybody, but a lot of teams. I mean, it's 350 yeah, but coaches who in out basketball there. is out there to where you can say, put your name on just whatever school. I mean, you don't even have to name a name. That you can feel like, man, that is somebody that I know is just going to resurrect this program and get it back. Because actually, if you brought in somebody new, if what Larry said happens, mm-hmm. where all these dudes come back, and they are in the weight room and doing all the things in this past season, offseason I should say, it, it was all over the map on who could do what. You know, with the, with the COVID, and we were, uh, this time last year, the country was in a panic. Mm-hmm. Massive fear. Yeah, and nobody's going. Right, yeah, nobody right. was going to the weight room, and nobody could go right. work out. It was all there were so many unknowns, <laughs> unbelievable yeah. number of unknowns. Right. So going forward here, 
uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So we get—I don't know if we'll have complete and total normalcy, but we'll have it more approaching it than we had it going in the off season last year. So Brandon Carlson comes back, and he's strong. Kid's got a lot of talent, man. I don't see how you can disagree that he doesn't have some talent. And then you got these foreign kids; they can get better, and they're going to get better. Uh, Martinez, I was thinking about this last night as I'm watching. You know, I've been around this basketball program. Uh, at least for a while there, I was closely involved in the program, not as much anymore, but I still can talk on it. You know, they've had a number of really good big men, swing men, uh, forwards, and, and some centers, right? We would all agree with that. And they've had some good guards, but, you know, they really haven't had a superstar except for uh, Andre Miller. Well, Martinez looks like he can be really, really good going forward, man. I mean, he made a couple of maybe mistakes but just his, the way, how smooth he looked and his athleticism. So it looks like they've got something there. I think we would agree with that. So the point being, if, if suppose they make a change. Whoever they bring in, this roster is ready to win next year. You're saying make a change. I'm saying let Larry come back. Let's assume they make a change. I'm going to ask you this question. I believe that this roster is ready to win next year. What is your response to that? Well, I do not know what this roster is going to look like. I don't believe everybody's coming back because I think it's very rare that everybody comes back. I don't think you have to do anything wrong as a coach to have to deal with everybody not coming back. They've got a senior and plumber. Obviously, he hit an enormous three that got him to double overtime. And he can come back if he wants. He can, but I don't know that he wants to. Now, this is where Mark Harlan is going to have more information than you and I. When you, get, when you get new info, feel free to have a new opinion. Don't ignore the new info. And Mark's going to have more than you and I and all the people who are hitting us up on Twitter. Because yeah, even he won't know 100% who's coming back because guys get to change their mind and somebody might tell them one thing and then cross him up. Right, uh, and that's just it, too. If yeah. you make a change in coaching, that could cause guys not to want to come back. Absolutely it could. Well, you got two assistant coaches who have kids on the team. You let them go, there's a pretty good chance their kids are transferring. So know, know that. They may not. Uh, not necessarily. No, not necessarily. But you got to acknowledge there's a pretty good chance. Uh, I don't know about the Jones kid. He's a Utah kid through and through. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, he was So, how about Ian here. Martinez? If you didn't I, I see the game. That. I don't know that. If you didn't see the game, he made big-time plays. I mean, at the end of regulation, going around his guy and rising up to throw down the game-time dunk, and it gets waved off, and so he just steps to the line and hits both free throws? <laughs> okay, that was impressive. That was big-time. I expected him to make both free throws. Uh, and his, just his uh, perimeter game was was just so smooth, so awesome. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know I don't know about that. And I don't know that the new coach doesn't retain the dad to keep the kid. Yeah, that's that could been, happen too. That's yeah. been done a million times over. So that's what's that's what you have to factor in. You get rid of Larry, you actually might open yourself up to more departures than fewer departures. like uh, I can't answer that. And they've been they've been hurt by that. You know, he was on there on Monday on our show saying that Gotch leaving was a mistake. Gotch was averaging 30 minutes a game for the Utes, and he's playing 23 for a crappy Minnesota team. And in his next-to-last game, he had 28 points for the Utes, and he decides he needs to leave? What the hell for? <laughs> right. <laughs> what, why? And you were playing a lot. You scored 28, and I think in the last regular season game, 
And what, what what more do you want? What, what, what did you want to have everything revolve around you? You're not that good to have everything revolve around you. So you take off, and at least from minutes played, you had a reduction significantly in minutes played. Just looking after Larry said that, and I have to admit I wasn't following what Gotch was doing in Minnesota. But after he said that on our show, I went and looked it up, and statistically, he's not any better. You could argue he's worse, especially in minutes played, which is going to lead. You have to have uh, you got to play to get everything to, else. Yeah. yeah, right. So, you know why? Why did he do that? It doesn't make any sense. I realize there's some home thing there, but. You know, if they can find a way to return all the players that are eligible to return, aside from Plummer, who has been there, but he's a junior college kid. Maybe he wants to be there another year. I don't know. I have no idea. But they're going to have to have new kids come in anyway. So the the team is ready to win next year. That's why I want to have Larry have another shot, because the team is ready to win. But, you know, who knows what Larry's thinking himself, because his kid's a senior in basketball, he's got a couple of youngster, a younger. Uh, well, I said a set of twin girls, right? Uh, and they're into volleyball. He's got a house down in Southern California. I know when the high school team went down there, that his kid was on. They played in a tournament, the Tory Tory Pines tournament. I know the team stayed at the house. So you know, if there's some negotiation for a buyout, and he can get some of that money, does he want to come back? You listened to him last night, and he sounded very bulldogish that, yeah, he's thinking about what's going forward next season. And I get that. I just don't know that there's a slam-dunk coach coming in here who's going to fix all your problems. Well, that's what Mark Harlan's going to weigh. Who's more likely to fix the problems? Larry Stain. What changes has he made that's going to make this different than the last three years? Versus bringing in a new guy, and what changes is he going to make? And if if it comes down to the single changes – Retain more talent that the I last that, three years that's a significant aspect. that the last three years yes. wouldn't have gone so poorly. Right. Forty-five wins, forty-two losses, no NCAs, no NITs. You know, just scraping along at five hundred. That they wouldn't have gone like that if he hadn't had so many kids transfer out of the program. Which comes down to why were so many kids transferring out of the program, and if you fix that, which you'd think Mark would be able to get some inside information on that by talking to players himself. Oh, I think he does. Yeah, I assume so. I know he does. I've had some information about that. And when you listen to Mark talk about that, he tends to go away from Utah and talk about how it's happening around the country. And clearly it is. And clearly it is happening around the country. You know, Dave Rose once told me, that his problem was he was too honest when they used to have their exit interviews, mm-hmm. that his assistants kept telling him, why don't you lie to these kids <laughs> and, and just tell them, sure, man, you're our guy. Yeah. I mean, you're going to – FGAs, absolutely. We're going to feature – we're going to put it – we're going to build around you to get these kids to stay. <laughs> and, and then when you get out there and the season starts, you go with what you think is right. And at that point, you know, the kid's kind of stuck. And so he literally told me that. They keep telling me, yeah. And they were sort of joking, but, you know, because you want to be honest. But you're, you're honest with these kids, and you tell them. And I can remember him sitting in Dave's office, and he told them, look at the times we've gone to the Sweet 16, man. We've had those players speaking to banners of the Jimmer and uh, Ainge. Mm-hmm. And you, you're not those guys. <laughs> so 
but yet we had all these other guys who helped us get to NCAA tournaments because, you know, like a Noah Hartsock, who by the time he was senior, uh, senior was ready to, to fill an important role, at a complementary role. But, but an then important role. As, was, yeah. as he gets older, and then you get more responsibility there. That's what they got to do. Now, if, I, it may blow up because Allen may decide, I'm out. He sampled the NBA draft a year ago yeah. and then pulled his name out. And he's a junior. So if he wants to go pro, that's not you doing anything wrong. That's just the way the world works. But it makes the team a little less ready to win next year oh, unless someone can substantially less. Unless someone can step up and be ready to blow up and take uh, on a much but bigger But he's your role. best player. You lose your best player. That's, that's a, a hit. Right. But, I mean, the point being, the huge to lost Van Horn went to the Final Four. That's so, the next yeah. example we all go to. I mean, he <clears throat> clearly had other guys step up, speaking of Majerus. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Dol- know that they Dolak had, had a great year. I don't Andre know if Andre, Andre Miller on the team, but if I'm Mark and I can figure out the talent coming back, and it's really what's the rush? So then you won't buy the money, but will you buy a combination of the two? I don't really want to do the money. I'll do it if I have to because you're right. Some of it can be offset going forward. By another, you know, another bad year, getting started on the rebuild sooner. I mean, that's out there. But if you do think that not all of the talent, I mean, I don't think that's where the discussion should be. I realize it's easy to go there because that's where Larry set the bar. But I just don't think that's realistic. But if enough of the talent returns and you have guys and you have internal improvement and all that, does Mark think they got a better chance of being better this year? Are there any coaches he really wants that he can get now that he can't get in a year? Has he really got his eye on somebody? He plays that stuff close to the vest. I mean, by the time Chris Hill was telling you stuff, man, you knew Chris Hill for like a decade, and then you knew him for 15 years. You're right. And Mark's been here a little while now, but there isn't the time to travel and hang out with him. A, you have a different job, and B, you just can't hang out the last year. You just you're not standing around arenas doing nothing for an hour before. Correct. Then. You're right. So, you know, if he's got somebody he really wants and he needs to go get him, you know, I think the other thing is it's also it's not. Imp- you're right that they could whiff on that because they've whiffed before, right? Boylan was a whiff. Jackaletti, maybe he would have worked out if he'd been given more time, but given the fact it was three years, it was a whiff. And maybe they'll whiff, but BYU and Utah State just changed. And they got guys who I think we would all sit here and agree right now, they got the right guy. They got really good teams. They would have been an NCAA team at BYU last year. It looks like they're going to be an NCAA team this year. They'd be two for two in normal times. You know, oh, and Craig Smith's two for two in winning the conference tournament. Right. And he's got a chance to do it again this year. So go get Craig Smith. <laughs> could I was, was going to say, there's a guy up in Logan <laughs> that can do a pretty good job, apparently. You know, if you've got the kind of Power 5 money we've heard these other schools throwing around, is Utah in a place going forward where for football and basketball coaches, if they want a BYU or a Utah State coach, can they go get them? Well, now, there's individual circumstances, so not always. The amount of money they're throwing around right now is suggest they would be able to. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm if he called call either one Jerry of those. i Bovey here in a minute, and he's going to punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he knows. Through the phone. He, and, and Jerry Bovey's a smart guy that we have known for a long time, going back to the High School Activities Association. Jerry knows how the world works. I mean. He knows money is green, and Power 5 schools have big stacks of it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, David Locke is going to join us. 
Radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's next. Chris Camerani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering the youth. We can talk Larry with him. We can talk uh, spring football with him. He just had a big piece on the Jazz and The Athletic. We can talk that with him. And uh, Chris is uh, – Chris, you, did you know Chris when he was at the U as a student writer? No. No, okay. That was other guys you knew. Correct. Yeah. Okay. When right. I was a writer. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Locke, coming up next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, do you have a favorite for Coach of the Year? The minute you said Coach of the Year, you know, my brain went straight to Quinn, so I think that's probably pretty telling. Kids get consideration for sure, but some of their young guys have progressed, and I'm not trying to say that they don't have a foundation at all, but there's part of me that feels like the Knicks have kind of gone all in on having Julius Randle kind of get loose and then you know playing Derrick Rose big minutes and, and leaning into some bets that get you over the top. To me, it's not in the same ballpark is what Utah has done. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us every week. And his weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You, you, Patrick Kinahan. Uh, you yes. thought your Cougars had that one, didn't you? You thought they were taking down the Zags and going to the dam. You know, and I, I'm still not over it. And they're going uh, to, and they're going to the dance anyway. Irregardless. All right. Irregardless. Nice. Well done. Well played. Uh, they are going. How many teams do we have dancing this year? Sixty-eight. No, no, Utah team's the only ones I care about. Uh, I think the uh, uh, it could be as many as four. I suspect the number will end up being two, and if I'm wrong, it's three. All right, so BYU, Utah State are the two? Uh, I think BYU is a lock. I think everyone thinks BYU is a lock. I think that Utah State, uh, SUU... And UVU all have a shot. Utah State. Mark Madsen, baby. Yeah. Mark Madsen's got that thing rolling in the tournament. That's awesome. Well, it's 50-50 in the final. They they shouldn't lose in this semi against New Mexico State tonight, but they could. New Mexico State beat them once. They yeah, they, yeah, they did. So, David, people want to hear you talk about the Utah Jazz. They want to plumb the depth of your knowledge. And PK said he went through the second-half schedule, and I'm 100% certain that you've gone through the second-half schedule. I have. And he thought low-end, if things break wrong, 24 wins. High-end, if things fall into place, 28 wins. What do you think? How many games are there? 36. 36. So I had us kind of trying to go 23 and 13. No. Like 67 winning percentage. Or maybe it was 23 and 11 or 23. Like, no, it'd be 23 and 13. It's 36 games. Then maybe I was 24 and 12. So you're winning 67% of games. That's a lot. The way I looked at it, I don't have the breakdown right in front of me, but there's about nine games that are kind of easy. Eight of them are Rockets, Wolves, and some other team Kings. Then there's this whole middle pack that, like, Portland could be pretty tough by the time we play them if they have Nurkic back and 
Memphis is Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back. And there's just this whole kind of middle range set of teams that are actually pretty good that I think could be really tough. And then there's and then there's there's eight or nine like almost like scheduling like unless you're really great scheduling I don't want to call them scheduling losses but you know like Brooklyn's a, like Brooklyn's just better than we are um, so I think you know we don't play ourselves and we don't play the Clippers so we don't the our schedule I think statistically might feel a little easier than it actually is um, but if you know I think we've got to like uh, again, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think Phoenix is like 25 and 11 for the season. Is that right? You know, we've got to kind of force them to do that again. Like if they want to go 25 and 10 and they finish the year 50 and 22 and they get the one seed, then you kind of, then, then you kind of tip your hat. But you want to make them do that. You want to make somebody go win at that rate again and catch us. Um, but I don't think you can expect us to win 77% of our games again. What do you think about Phoenix? How legitimate are they? I was really impressed last night. You know, I think they're really, I think they're really legit in this. The question mark on them is DeAndre Ayton, right? Look at their plus minus last night. Ayton's minus four. Sarge is plus fifteen. Dario Sarge is like plus twenty-five for a hundred possessions this year. When he's on the floor, they have got themselves a really special group, whether it's Jay playing the four at that point and spreading the floor. And if you go back to last year, Chris Paul was the number one pick-and-roll point guard in the NBA with Danilo Gallinari. That was the number one pick-and-roll combination in the league was those two. So I think they've got a little something there that's pretty special. Their defense is great. They're 17-3 and over their last 20. They're the fourth-ranked offense and the fourth-ranked defense. If you're going to buy the Jazz, you have to buy the Suns. You can't be a Jazz fan and not buy the Suns, or then you don't buy us. There's only two teams in the league that are top ten offense and defense. I think it's something like 18 of the last 20 champions in the NBA were top. Of that, maybe 17 of the last 20 champions were top ten in both. There's only two teams in the league right now that are top ten in both, the Suns and the Jazz. Utah-Phoenix Western Conference Final. I hear a lot of the NBA cringing and complaining. I'm up for it. I'd be entertained. Utah Mix it Brooklyn up. Utah-Brooklyn in the finals, baby. Uh, you say Brooklyn's better, and they, they're going to see Brooklyn again, and they already lost to Brooklyn with Durant out, and, and they hadn't traded for Harden at that point. Uh, I, I don't want to guess when they play Brooklyn, Brooklyn who might Brooklyn, play. Why, why do you say point-blank Brooklyn is better? Oh, they're totally unstoppable. They're going to win. They're going to win thirty. They're going to go thirty and five at minimum the rest of the way. They're the best shooting team in the history of the game. They don't have a five-man lineup. They're going to put on the floor when everyone's healthy. They have an offensive rating under about one twenty-four. There is. They've got the three best isolation players in all of the NBA. So when a play breaks down, they've got an answer that's not only like acceptable. It's elite. Like I think they're all over one point two points per possession. Um, Joe Harris is not talked about and is underrated, but he is, you know, is an elite offensive player because of his efficiency and his shooting. He's the number one over the last four years in the NBA. He's the number one catch-and-shoot guy in the entire league, and he's playing off Durant, Irving, and Harden, which then makes him one of the great – you know, he's Ray Allen. Like, <laughs> he's, 
every bit as good as Ray Allen was for Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. It's a recreation of the Heatles. They're unbelievable. And they'll defend enough, but they don't even need to defend. That, I, I really think they're going to go, you know, what do they got, 35 left? I think they'll at minimum go 30 and 5. So you got them better than the Lakers when the Lakers are at full strength? Yeah, way better. I actually don't think it's close. I really think they're unstoppable. So I, I really NBA winning the finals I, then. I don't know what you do. Like they they play fast and they get out and run. Okay, well now slow them down and get them in the half court and switch one through five and then they just and, and do what you're gonna like. I don't know how you defend them and so. Maybe, you know, we would have the best chance of anyone because you just play them in pick and roll and make Rudy stop them in the mid-range. But those three guys are elite level mid-range, and they just will stop running pick and roll. They'll stop involving Rudy. They'll pull Rudy out of the middle, and they'll just play one-on-one. And we're as good a defensive team in the NBA. The Lakers are the the next best defensive team. But you, you just can't have three guys on a roster that are capable of guarding those three guys. So at some point they're going to find a mismatch, and they'll go one-on-one. It might be ugly, but it's unstoppable. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, the common assumption is the Lakers and Clippers are going to get rolling and they're probably going to meet in the Western Final. Uh, and one of them will come out of the West. That you know, I think Most people would be reluctant to pick the Jazz and Suns to come out of the West. Are you selling either the Lakers or Clippers? Do you think either of them are overhyped and will do what the Clippers did last year? The Clippers went out in the second round. Can that happen to either one of these teams this year? Yeah, I'll sell both of them for the regular season at least. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if the top of the West isn't walking toward a Utah, Phoenix, Denver with a suddenly Clippers and Lakers going, oh, crap, we got to avoid a 4-5 matchup in the first round. Um, I think that's when you're going to see one of those two teams click in is when they realize they're about to walk to a 4-5 matchup against each other. But I, would, I expect one of them to be in the 4-5 matchup this year. I think Denver's clicked in. They started playing great defense before the break. Uh, Jokic is the MVP, and if Harden doesn't win it, um, the I, so I think that's, that's the take there. The Lakers, you know, we'll see today they're announcing more on Anthony Davis. Um, my sources aren't great, but I'm the murmur is a few more weeks on AD. So, you know, I just think it's beginning to have, an, you know, LeBron's not like LeBron, Cleveland, Miami, LeBron MVP. He might be the MVP of the league, but he's not like vintage LeBron. And we saw that when AD was out, that wear and tear was real. So I, I don't suspect that the Lakers click back in here until the playoffs. And I think they very easily could, you know, run a 17 and 17 for the rest of the way. And if AD's out for much longer than two weeks, then it's going to be worse than 17 and 17. And if they do that, they're going to be in the fourth or fifth seed. They're going to get Denver or the Clippers in the first round. What do you see the Jazz doing with Eli Silva? I don't really know. Um, so if I'm really honest, I, I don't have any idea. I don't. Um, but the two things he does, you know, he shoots it pretty well. He moves it pretty well, so he fits in. The, the few things that he does that – he brings a level of versatility and skill that we don't have that can be helpful. 
One, he, he's a legit 6'10", like he's really big. 7'1", wings, plus wingspan at 6'10". So he's a really good defensive rebounder. He's about 22% defensive rebounder. Compare that to, like, Boyan's like a 10% defensive rebounding rate guy. So there's a, you know, and Royce is our second-best defensive rebounder right now. You know, so it gives us a little bit. I think defensive rebounding is a little bit of a concern, even though our numbers are good there. So he gives us a little bit in that realm. One thing I haven't heard about, but I'm hoping he'll do, is can we take Royce's numbers from 32 to 26 or 27? In the last three years, Royce has shot 41% in the first half from three and 32% the second half from three. And in the last 10 games, Royce is down to 35%. We're asking, nobody is guarding the number one option in the league more than Royce O'Neal. We're asking an awful lot out of Royce. If we can minimize that ask a little bit and keep his legs underneath him, I think that would be great. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of back. You know, we got eight or nine back-to-back here. I think there's going to be a lot of player maintenance days. We already saw it with Luca and KP last night. So I think there's nights where Conley doesn't play. Can we? Can Ilyasova, while he's not going to take Joe's minutes per se, can he keep Joe off being 34 minutes in those games and down at 26 or 27? Like, I think he's, you know, and then the other thing that he just gives us that we didn't have in our roster is a stretch five. He played about 20% of his minutes a few years ago as a five. So in the circumstance that Quinn needs that as one of his cards in his deck, he now has it and he didn't have it before. So... Because of the whole Stockton Malone 82 games put this uniform on, no excuses thing, and that just got beat into everybody's brain and into the DNA of the franchise. But not as an excuse for losing, but as just reality. It's the way it was. We saw the Jazz play back to back and then play a third game in four days on the road a couple times, and they were able to grind out a win in Indiana, but they looked beat. And they could not win at New Orleans, and they looked beat. So. With these back-to-backs you speak of, I assume that Conley needs to not play very many, if any, back-to-backs. We already saw him rested a back-to-back. They want to keep him healthy for the playoffs, so that seems like an obvious thing. And then on the other night, when Conley does play, do they rotate through other players? Because even though they're nine deep, this team, I think it was pretty clear, they looked worn down playing three games in four days on the road, and they can't afford that. Now they got the depth to rest more guys. So we're going to see a you lot know, of that. I don't know if we would ever do this, but I think one of the great things that happened this year is that Joe Ingles missed the game. Because now I think it gives you the freedom. I, I would I would love to see on a back-to-back almost a pattern where Joe sits one night and Mike sits the other. And so that Donovan and Joe play point guard one night and Donovan and Mike play point guard the next night. And you don't... For those guys, we need Mike Conley and Joe Ingles healthy and not worn out whenever the season ends. I don't even know when the season ends anymore. Um, May sometime. Um, and, and I'm, they're old. They're 33 years old. Like, that's, like, we can talk about how good a shape Mike's in, and Joe's having his best year of his NBA career by a long shot. He's one of the elite off, like, if Joe Harris is elite offensive, Joe Ingles is for all the talk of, like, Jordan Clarkson's sixth man, and, like, Joe Ingles is having an unbelievable year. In fact, like, without trying to be controversial, I would probably vote Joe Ingles sixth man over Jordan Clarkson right now. The, he's incredibly efficient offensively. 
He's playing a league-level point guard. He's one of the top, he and Gobert, one of the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the league. He's remarkable right now. Uh, and, and it's, you know, part of it's what he's done the last two weeks. He's been really amazing. He's got to be great. He was not great in the bubble last year. Was that because of the bubble? Was that, be, you know, who knows? But we need him to be this version of Joe Ingles. And, that, and we need Mike Conley to be what we saw to Mike Conley. Those would be my two biggest priorities heading toward May if I were the Jazz, is making sure that those two guys were there to complement Rudy and Donovan in the playoffs. All right, I can buy all that. With that in mind, then, do you think that they go all out in trying to get that number one seed with the possibility of realizing that there's other things that are more important than getting that one seed? I'm not sure there are other things more important than getting that one seed. Or at least the two seed. I'm not sure there are things more important than being one or two. Because of getting an easy first round, 7-8, because to me it looks like, I know early in the year we talked about, hey, be one and avoid the Lakers and Clippers at 2-3. You've already said you may not be able to do that because one of them could be in that 4-5 series. Plus, Phoenix is so good, I just don't think you're ducking anybody in the second round in the West. I think that the West is so good that the extra home game matters. Um, what are we going to, 5,600 here coming up? Fans? Yeah. Like, Could be more know. than that in the playoffs, I, yeah. Right. Like, are we at 13? Are we at 10,000? Are we at 13,000 by then? Like, has everyone gotten our – are we vaccinated? Like, what happens in Texas? Is it an open-air stadium? But the idea the Rangers are playing in a full stadium coming up here seems, you know, I'll be honest, seems insane and negligent. But if it works, then it's not insane and negligent. And if we're inside, it does seem different. But, like, where are we? Are we at – you know, what's our number that we're going to be at here by May? And this, you know, pent-up energy, this place, our building's going to be rocking. It's going to be amazing. And maybe L.A.'s not, you know, the. I think the next big conversation in the NBA is what happens to the competitive advantage of having home fans where other teams can't. And I think the money will drive that, but... Ryan Smith will be like telling Adam Silver, you're not limiting my numbers. I need it. I lost so much dang money in the last year. Same thing will be said out of whatever, Denver or wherever else. And, and so you'll, they'll, 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 the LA might not be ready to have fans at that point. So, you know, it wouldn't be any different for the Clippers than it always is. Old joke. But, <laughs> you know, um, thank you, PK. Um, but I, you know, I do think that that's a legitimate, um, you know, I think that one seed matters there, right? Phoenix will be open. So the Suns and Jazz are playing in front of 13, 15. I have no idea. I'm making these numbers up. Um, fans, you know, I, don't, I really don't know. I want to make sure that's really clear. I don't have any idea what the CDC is going to say. I don't have any idea, like, what the safe number is. I don't, you know, but we're trending in that direction, right? Yeah. All right, David, that's a lot of ground to cover right there. Jazz and Rockets tonight. And we will uh, listen to you on the game. 8 o'clock. Why is it a late start? There's no no national TV? COVID, COVID, COVID. testing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There it is. Thank you, David. See you, guys. All right. Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke joining us. Coming up, Chris Kimrani.
Staff writer for The Athletic covers the Utes, but he's written about the Jazz. Spring football starting Monday. The basketball season just ended. We will talk with Chris coming up in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision. DavisVisionMD.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Just had David Locke on. He was very definitive about some things. He thinks the Lakers and Clippers are going to drop in the standings. Certainly one of them will. And he thinks the Lakers are going to be without AD for a while. And that's going to hurt them. And he thinks the Nets are awesome and unguardable and are going to dominate in the second half of the season and be the favorites going into the playoffs. But there was one area he hedged a little bit, PK, and you would like to explore that. Yeah. You know, I I agree with him as far as uh, let's lower the guy's minutes, have him fresh for the postseason, as fresh as can possibly be anyway. That makes complete and total sense. And you have a couple of core guys who are 33 years old in Conley and Ingles, so you don't want to wear them down. And you've got these back-to-backs because the season's condensed and all this stuff. And so the idea of resting them uh, on a rotational basis, they are 7-0 and zero without Conley this year, so that's great. And he's got uh, – I mean, he's not brittle, but you, know, you have to be concerned about leg muscle injuries and whatnot. So I get all that, but then I ask him about, okay, should they go all in on getting the number one seed? And then he said, yes. <laughs> and there's nothing more important than that. Well, that's kind of a uh, – what am I looking for? Uh, An oxymoron. It's a conf- There could be a conflict there. I mean, a there's, conflict was the word I was looking there, for. Thanks. There's a yeah. chance that somebody else gets hot and they lose enough games that they can't get the one seed, and so they'll rest guys You know, on the second night of a back-to-back knowing the one seed's now out of reach. There's also a chance that they will pull away and they will win enough games that – they can rest guys and know they're probably going to get the one seed anyway. But to your point, there is also clearly a path where there could be a night that they just have to choose. It's not clear-cut either way, and you're going to have to prioritize one at over another. Yeah, I but think, if, you, if you're saying that he's going in on all number one seed, then there isn't uh, a priority. You've already made the priority. You're, you're right. It's already established. But, but if you have a three-game lead and you're in a back-to-back – you're going to think, I can get the one oh, yeah, seed okay. while resting okay. these guys. So yeah, it may well, not come. That. But to your point, it could come down to push to shove where you're tied or you're a game up or a game back, and you really need that game, and it's a back-to-back. So I think what's going to happen is they're going to rest guys, but when it comes to push to shove, will they? I can't answer that. I can't guarantee it. And I have to see when you get there how the team is playing. You know, I've always seen in the first half, I think they probably go ahead and prioritize uh, making sure guys are healthy and not pushing the envelope. Because we've seen them lose a full strength, and we have seen them win when they're shorthanded. They won without Donovan. They won without Conley. They won without Ingles. The losses came when they had everybody. 
So I think they're going to go ahead and rest people. But if it's late in the year and pushes come to shove and it's one game or it's tied, I can't sit here right now and guarantee you which way they're going to go. I am 100% certain I do not want to look at a pregame injury report during the playoffs. Coming out on Twitter, they always send those things out, and everybody in the media jumps on them and retweets them. And I don't think anybody wants to sign off right now on Mike Conley hamstring out for a playoff game. That looks to me like a problem. And I know they're undefeated without him, but I really don't want to try that in the playoffs. Mm. Uh, I don't either, but if I can pick one guy to not be there, he's the guy. Well, you got a little depth with he and Joe and Donovan. you got three guys, and you really only need the two on any given night. Right, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I figured. There's a reason why they're 7-0 and and Joe's numbers go way go up. up right. when, and there's a reason and they're 4-0 so, when Joe sits. They're plenty capable there uh, as far as that goes. To me, the resting, I'm concerned about three guys, and that's Joe, uh, Conley, and Favors. Everybody else, I don't really have a concern. Even Bogdanovich, I don't have a concern. Uh, Mitchell doesn't seem to be tired ever. I don't know, maybe numbers probably show that it is, but he's 24 years old and seems like he's got the world by the tail and he can play and keep playing. But I, but I get the idea of lessening loads within individual games too, like the idea of uh, – Royce O'Neal. He had really good numbers there. Asking so much of him defensively. Well, you just can't ask for everything all the time. So even as he plays, if you can reduce the minutes by five or six per game. Uh, And I think the thing that works in the Jazz' favor is I see the Clippers and Lakers resting guys. And I'm not sure I see the Suns resting guys, though. Nope. Outside of Chris Paul, they got a bunch of young pups. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I think a couple guys, Crowder and Sarge, are a little older, but the the, the new the rest of those guys are. I don't even know they're twenty five years old. All right, DJ PK, we got to take a break. Chris Camrani, staff writer for the Athletic, wrote a big piece on the Jazz, and Quinn Snyder covers the Utes and Utah football and spring football starting Monday. And we can ask him about basketball as well with the season done. We've had the question today, you know, what, what should Mark Harlan do with Larry Kristoviak in the basketball program? We'll run all that by Chris coming up. Stay with us.